If you have grown children, you will know the feeling I'm about to describe. You have just sent one of them off on a trip to camp or maybe a mission to college, overseas, something or somewhere distant, far away. We parents have all done this at some point, right? And then you find out that something has gone wrong, an accident on the highway, a severe weather event, an earthquake, or God forbid, some kind of violence. And for the next minutes, the next hours, even days, you wait. And you worry. You try to call, but there's no answer. And you wait. You ever experienced this, parents? There's no way to express the depth of worry, the quality of this feeling, other than it is simply horrible. It is a dreadful feeling, literally. As a parent, there are, these are probably the worst of troubling, troubling times, waiting and worrying all the questions that go through your mind, all the scenarios that you play out. It's the kind of thing, I think, this is the kind of thing that's expressed in the first few verses of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. This verse, this passage we just heard. Now, Paul was not a biological parent, but he had parental affection for this small band of Jesus followers in Thessalonica. I call it Thessalonica. Um, Dan calls it Thessalonia. Thess yeah, Thessalonica. We're both right. <laughs> We've been talking about this this week. We're both right. But Paul is worried about this small church that he has planted. We don't know the details, but Paul worried that they would succumb, he says, to those who said, you know, this new religion of yours isn't working. <clears throat> Give it up. Go back to the old religion. He's worried that that's what they're going to do. So when he couldn't take it anymore, when he couldn't bear it, and he says this twice, when I could no longer bear it, it was a big deal. He decided that Timothy needed to be sent, dispatched, to go back to Thess Thessalonica, where they had been, go back and check on them, to encourage them, maybe to get them back on track. So he sends Timothy back. And of course, we read in verses 6 and following that what Timothy found back in Thessalonica was a group of disciples who were still growing and still faithful to Jesus and were thinking great thoughts about Paul and Silvanus and Timothy. Good news. And for Paul, this is like that moment when that worried parent finally gets the phone call that says, Oh, hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Sorry, I didn't call sooner. We've been so busy having fun. It didn't occur to us that you were worried. 
The relief, the joy, Paul says, the good news is like an angelic message, euangelion, this Greek word that is always and only used in the, in the New Testament for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, except for here. In 1 Thessalonians, this one time the word is used, the good news, the euangelion, where it's the good news of well-being of the faith and the love of the Thessalonians. He was just so relieved that they were okay. So as I've been reading, studying, and living with this chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians this week and thinking about hope, our theme for this series, it came to me that this chapter basically reveals the inner workings of how hope can work. This is kind of the way it happens. Hope during times of trouble. So, first of all, what we see here are two sides of a coin that we could name realism. Realism. First, Paul says in verse 3, that no one should be shaken by troubled times because guess what? We know that trouble is part of life as a follower of Jesus. Jesus himself made this very, very clear in John chapter 16. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Pretty straightforward. Verse 33 of John 16. And additionally, the New Testament is actually full of Similar statements, 1 Peter 4.12, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. In other words, expect trouble. It's going to happen. Paul even goes so far as to say that we are destined for this in this passage. The message translation has it this way. It's part of our calling in verse 3, to face trouble and persecution. Bottom line, folks, it doesn't matter who you are. We all have difficulty in life, whether it's, it's relationships, work, family issues, emotional struggles, addiction, trouble with the kids, the parents, the in-laws, and being a follower of Jesus does not inoculate you from trouble. In fact, being faithful to Jesus may even sometimes escalate things for a time. Especially if you're involved in reconciling and restoring work, being, bringing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit into dark places where, where sin and or evil have had their day, you will find opposition there. You will find trouble. Count on it. So here's that first reality. Trouble expected. Let's be real. It's just a fact of life. It's going to happen. But there's something else here that I love. When Timothy left Paul and Silvanus to go back to Thessalonica, he found that things were not as bad as they had imagined. 
This is the other side of the coin. Often, it's not as bad as we think. Anxiety, if we don't stay aware of it, has a way of interacting with our imagination, and it can get to be rather too much. Perhaps you know about this. It's two in the afternoon, and your boss still hasn't responded to the report that you submitted to him this morning. As you check your email obsessively, you become convinced that you haven't received any feedback because the report was terrible, <laughs> and your boss can't use it. Well, what really happened was your boss's noon call ran unexpectedly long, and he hasn't had a chance to finish reading the report, but he's pleased so far. <laughs> or your spouse has seemed distant for the past few days, is being secretive, and is evading your questions, and you're consumed by the thought that he is involved with someone else and is thinking of leaving you. And what really happened is your 15th anniversary is only a month away and your spouse is trying to plan a surprise getaway <laughs> without giving it away. We've already mentioned what happens with parents of kids who are old enough to leave the house and, but young enough to make some potentially dangerous decisions. Notice I didn't use the word stupid. <laughs> Oops, I guess I just did. <laughs> so, <laughs> we must not let our anxieties get the best of us. And this is the problem with worry. It's often, it often spins out of control, and we imagine things to be much worse than they really are. But how to do this? Paul gives, I believe, the key to this in verses 9 and 10 of this passage. He says, how can we thank God enough? The key to hope in troubled times, I think, is thanksgiving. Eucharisteia. It's the noun form of what my wife's, is my wife's favorite Greek word, eucharisteo. We cannot underestimate the power of God-directed gratitude. It's nothing short of the power of hope in troubled times, folks. Even when the worst things happen. Her name was Susan Nash. She was working as a college student in a salmon cannery up in Bristol Bay, Alaska. It was break time in this very noisy salmon processing plant. Her job was to clean the machines. And because it was so noisy, she couldn't see that the machine she was supposed to clean was running. It's this machine that basically takes the head off of a salmon. So she put her hand in the machine thinking it was off and it was on. And her hand was, her right hand was suddenly gone. She had this, she remembers, she shared this in chapel at Seattle Pacific University where Chris and I were attending. She said she remembers going like this and grabbing her hand, grabbing her wrist 
and and she knew her hand was gone. And the first thing that came to her mind and the words out of her mouth were, you'll never believe this. Thank you, Jesus. It was just a reflex. Thank you, Jesus. For Sue, she received this thing that happened to her as a gift. And it became the theme of her life, her ability to live and to thrive without her right hand. It was fueled by gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I know this to be true, not only that first year when she came back to college without her right hand, but I know it to be true because Sue Nash became Sue Mason when she married my brother, Clark. And she lived a life of gratitude without her right hand and found hope for her trouble in that. It was amazing. It's an amazing story. So when you find yourself getting overly anxious, do this. Maybe make a list of the things for which you're grateful. Redirect your thinking to the ways God has blessed your life. This, I believe, is one of the secrets to finding hope when things seem to be going wrong. Paul paints this amazing picture of the, in the closing phrases of chapter three, a picture of love abounding. First love, one for another, a love that's prompted by the abounding love Paul has for his associates and he for them. And we read this passage, we read this passage on Thursday night at our ACT group, just this last Thursday night. And an image came to mind that was one of those waterfalls with, with, with water cascading down um, from one section to another like this. This is what came to my mind when I was reading about love abounding to them and love abounding from them. Now that was Thursday night and we were talking about how love abounds in our life. And the next morning, I read this passage again and verse 12 in the message. And this is how it is translated in the message. May the master pour on the love so that it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you, just as it does from us to you. I thought, wow, that's exactly what I had in mind. I could have translated that with Eugene. (laughs) This is how hope works in times of trouble. It begins as gratitude and then joyfully splashes around in your mind and your life and it may even get on those near you. and, And before you know it, Hope has returned. Yes, trouble should not take us totally by surprise. No, it's not as bad as we might imagine. And in all of it, folks, in all of it, the power comes from Eucharisteo, Godward gratitude. If you're experiencing trouble, if you are racked with anxiety and worry today, may hope be yours. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, let's pray. Oh Lord, I thank you for this amazing passage.
I thank you, God, for the way that you give us the gift of hope. I love the words of the song that the choir sang. What a friend we have in Jesus. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I pray, God, that you would help us to remember how simple this really is. As we take our troubles to you in prayer with thanksgiving. Well, God, as we bring our offering to you today, we pray that you would receive these gifts as an act of worship, as an act and as a prayer of gratitude. For we pray it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. May God bless you as you give.